our hymn. Well, a mighty fortress is our God. Not even Reformation Day. Um, And the tune, the text, except for one word, is all the same. Don't have to learn the parts that go with it. Um, A mighty fortress is our God. Martin Luther wrote it. uh, Loosely based upon what psalm? Forty-six. Forty-six. It talks about how uh, a refuge, uh, God is our refuge and strength, the present help in time of trouble. Um, Luther, it was very popular. Uh, Luther knew the Psalms because he'd been a monk, because he chanted the Psalms, and so he knew them quite well. Um, If you want to know how to pray, you start chanting the Psalms, and that's the way it it teaches you to pray. Uh, There were many that would make what we called metrical uh, renditions of the Psalms, um, in which instead of making it to chant tones, they would put it to meter and and hymn. Um, Luther, however, unlike Calvin and some of the others, He didn't really stay with the literal words that were there. And uh, he stuck in stuff. Um, I don't think we could fault him for it. Uh, He took an Old Testament text, and if it talked about the Lord, he might very well stick in the name Jesus. And if it was speaking about a... uh, uh, a kingdom, he might just call that the church. And so uh, uh, Luther's, some would say, well, it's not really even a paraphrase. Maybe it's almost using Psalm 46 and making up his own original. Well, it's a little more closely than that, but uh, uh, it is uh, with that. There's actually two tunes that go with this. This happens to be the tune that, that Luther uh, put with it, which is, titled by the German words, Ein Festeberg ist unser Gott. Uh, this was uh, the rhythmic or polyrhythmic uh, one, and so it's a little more uh, catchy. Uh, the other one is simply an, what they call an isorhythmic. It smooths it all out so that the words or the it's pretty well the same. A mighty fortress is... And, and this one does a little more to it. Um, but I've got a music major here. We're going to find out if my college money is worth anything. Um, there is a leading note on a mighty fortress. A and a trust thing you've got. What is that leading note called? No? I'm not sure what you're looking for. They actually call it something. It is called in German a Freudensprung. Oh, well. Uh, yeah. You would know exactly. Uh, huh? A Freudensprung, of course. A Freudensprung. A joy spring. And so it's designed, it's a pickup note that goes at the very beginning. 
and it's designed to kind of spring you into it and um, was, was, was quite popular back then. Again, the other version doesn't have it. It kind of smooths it all out. So, All right, well, you got a couple more years of school. Otherwise, uh, you're out of there. Uh, you just wanted to say that word because it's so I just fun. wanted to say it's it, yeah. Kind of fun. I, exactly, it is kind of fun. Um, yeah, like like I didn't know that if I hadn't read it. So uh, um, so anyway, okay. Um, Luther uh, loved this hymn. In fact, the story is told that uh, his his buddy Philip Melanchthon, that when he was down and all, he would say, "Come, my dear friend, let's go sing Psalm 46." And he was wanting to sing uh, this particular hymn. In fact, um, uh, used definitely during the Thirty Years' War. In fact, at the Augsburg, uh, the Diet of Augsburg, not the 1530, but the 1555, after they had already been kicked out of Wittenberg, and um, they're in there for the Diet that was there, uh, the churches there sung this hymn uh, for them, and... and um, was, was very uh, comforting. In fact, the hymn itself, we tend to think of it as uh, the hymn of the Reformation or the battle cry of the Reformation or something like that. Uh, it was simply had the title, uh, A Hymn of Comfort. And, and that was all. They simply thought of it as a, a hymn of comfort. Uh, we normally use it for Reformation Day. That's not actually the hymn of the day uh, for Reformation Day. But LSB uh, has it for Lent 1. This is the first time I've seen it for Lent 3, but um, I'll have to ask how it got placed there. But until then, let's take a look at it. A mighty fortress is our God. A mighty fortress is our God. A trusty shield and weapon. A trusty shield and weapon. He helps us free from every need. He helps us free from every need. That hath us now o'ertaken. That hath us now o'ertaken. And so, speaks about, uh, Luther uses the term castle. The, their psalm talks about simply a refuge of protection. Uh, he wants to have a, a, a castle, kind of protection set up. Uh, and the Lord has done. In fact, he is even, as it talks about, he's the weapon, offensive, he's the defensive, he's the shield, and he's also the one, and he speaks about setting us free, obviously drawing out of uh, the law and gospel, setting us free from the law uh, that we might uh, be saved. Uh, with uh, the next part, the second part of stanza number one, Luther introduces something that's not in the psalm, the old evil foe now means deadly woe. The old evil foe now means deadly woe. Deep guile and great might are his dread arms in fight. Deep guile and great might are his dread arms in fight. On earth is not his equal. On earth is not his equal. So the psalm talks about the nations and those that come against us, but uh, Luther immediately goes right to the old evil foe. He goes to Satan or, or the devil. Uh, talks about how he fights against God's people. Uh, obviously, he's evil, but he's been doing this for 
a while. Uh, Revelation calls him the ancient dragon, you know, the ancient serpent. Uh, here he calls him the old one. Um, he's been going at us since Adam and Eve, and, uh, and he is not done. When it gets to the end, it lets us know that we're talking about uh, this field of battle on earth is not his equal. The end of stanza one leaves you in a predicament. Um, the devil's on top. Um, if pastor ever says, I think we'll just sing stanza one of this hymn, yep, you better not. You better keep going. Stanza two. With might of ours cannot be done. With might of ours cannot be done. Soon were our loss effected. So, when you try it yourself, what happens? You fail. And when Adam and Eve did it, our loss, yeah, was effected. It happened. It's now in uh, the books. And it has caused great damage. So, we've gone from the devil being on top to us being on bottom, and there is nothing by ourselves. Nothing can be done. Not can be done. But for us fights the valiant one. Whom God himself elected. So we're going to get to uh, the victorious one, the one who is valiant in battle, who does not resist, and who is able to overcome. Just as he talked about the old evil foe, he puts it at the very same place in the hymn, Ask ye, who is this? Jesus Christ it is. Of Sabaoth, Lord, and there's none other God. He holds the field forever. He holds the field forever. So, who's the valiant one? He lets us know right away. Jesus Christ. He is that one. And so Luther is interpreting uh, Psalm 46. It describes him, and it's not the word Sabbath, that's S-A-B-B-A-T-H, which refers to the day of rest or Saturday. This is Sabaoth, which means an army, and uh, uh, here it's definitely referring to the armies of angels, the, the heavenly host sometimes it's described as. And so it describes him as uh, the Lord of the angel armies uh, uh, that has come, and he's God. He's God come to be for us, and now he holds the field forever because there's none that can go up against him. Here is the one who is on our side who comes against the enemies, the devils, the demons, all, all that are against us. Stanza three. Though devils all the world should fill... All eager to devour us. We tremble not, we fear no ill. They shall not overpower us. So he lets us know that it's, you know, the devil also has his, his devils, his demons, those who are in the world, they come against us, but uh, we will... With Christ, we're going to have a, a, a victory. What do we know about this 
devil to Satan. Well, it describes him in John as the prince of this world. Luther pulls that out. This world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will. This world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will. He can harm us none. He's judged. The deed is done. One little word can fell him. One little word can fell him. And so we know that we have uh, the devil like a roaring lion seeking whom he will desire. He goes around accusing God's people. Uh, this is his, uh, uh, what he does. But it lets us know can't harm us. When we're with Christ, he can harm us. In fact, he's already been judged. Uh, he's already been judged to be false, that God did in fact love us, that his son did take away our sins, that no, you cannot take us to hell. Uh, we have been uh, adopted by our heavenly father through faith in, in, in his son. And finally, when Luther gets to the end, he says, one little word can fell him. What is that word? Forgiveness, mercy, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> um, there, there's actually two places in which um, Luther uses this terminology in one of his writings. And in one of them, he quite clearly says, it's the name Jesus. You know, um, all you need to do is call upon Jesus. He is, you know, that, that is the one that, that defeats him completely. Um, but uh, uh, there is another place where Luther uh, does the same thing. And, and he's not literally, but he, he's talking about, and he says, listen, uh, uh, the devil can be defeated by one little word. And Luther says, you lie. <laughs> you lie, devil. Um, and so uh, uh, the devil comes to us and, and lies about our salvation. So, um, but... Most likely, it's, it, is, it is our Jesus. Stanza four. The word they still shall let remain. The word they still shall let remain. And not a thank have for it. And not a thank have for it. He's by our side upon the plain with his good gifts and spirit. He's by our side upon the plain with his good gifts and spirit. So, he cannot harm us. Jesus has already won the victory. It is finished. It is done. And he has given us his word. This is his word of promise. This is the thing that we trust in, we hold to, because the word teaches us what he has done. Um, now, they are going to have to let the word stick around. They can't get rid of it. He is the one who has given the promise. They would like to remove it. They would like to accuse us, they would like, but God's given us his word, uh, the word they still shall let remain, um, and, and to say, and, and not a thank have for it, um, obviously, they, they don't appreciate what it is, um, it is uh, despite their, uh, uh, against their will, it's against what they like, but there it is, um, and, and that's what we hold to, and that you know, uh, presents to us the Word, Jesus, and all. We find that through this word, we have God on our side. We have the, uh, his good gifts, baptism, absolution, Lord's Supper, the church, brotherhood, prayer, all of these things that he has given. 
um, and his Holy Spirit works through that word. Is he talking about the world at the first two lines there? Yeah, um, normally it's interpreted that the they is the enemies. So they, the enemies, are going to have to let the word remain and they're not, you know, recognizing, thanking, you know, uh, holding them up. Finally, when we get down to the, the third part, same thing, or second part, and take they, there's the they again, the enemies, and take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife, everyone, and take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife, let all, let these all be gone, let these all be gone, they yet have nothing won. They yet have nothing won. The kingdom ours remaineth. The kingdom ours remaineth. And so, uh, they can go against us. There may be things that they are able to uh, take away, but they can't separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. They can't take away our salvation. Uh, we are in the kingdom, which is about the church and what he has done for us. Uh, the word let uh, in LW be, is changed to though these all be gone instead of let. Somebody wanted to have a word change that they could claim. claim. I guess I'm like, I, I don't know any great theological reading for uh, uh, leaving as such. But One other question. Were there more stanzas to this? Good question. I was going to tell you about the 15... No, this is all. <laughs> we got them all. There are four. There's only four. And that's the way it is. Um, however, in Lutheran worship as well as in Lutheran book of worship, um, the uh, uh, Lutheran service book as well, there are two tunes. As I mentioned earlier, the other tune, uh, uh, the syllables are not the same. And so they've had to change the words. It's not just the same words. And so you might be wondering, like, for example, the one where it says goods, fame, child, and wife. For some reason, even though it's the same syllables and all, they change it to spouse in the other version. So there are some other changes. That's just one where you kind of go, wait, I thought I remember it being, and if you use the other one, you, you won't know. Um, Riston, do you have a question? Well, I was just going to say, like, the word changed me, I think, going into their mindset, let kind of sounds like you're, like it's okay, uh, if, you, if that would draw you away from Christ, then it's good that then that's not, you know what I'm trying to say, I, just, right. I can't explain myself. Yeah, I, I think the let sounds like a uh, sounds like fighting words, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like daring the devil. Let it all be gone. I don't I don't care, you know. And maybe someone liked their wife a little bit more and decided we'll just say though. Though it happens, I'm not really encouraging it. I'm not daring the devil. I'm just saying. Yeah, this is based on Psalm 46, but also like you know this this last part here, like I said earlier, risen reminds me of Job. Because that's yeah. basically the same thing, right? It does. It does. Yeah. And yet, as, as I said, it's meant to be a comfort. That's, yeah. that's what this is about. So, 
Okay. Let's sing the stanza through. Oh, what's that first note? Freudensprung. <laughs> Ready? A mighty fortress is our God, a trusty shield and weapon. He helps us free from every that hath us now ordained. The old evil foe now means deadly woe. Deep trial and great might are his red arms in On earth is not his Uh, tonight we're on the fourth and fifth. Uh, there will not be catechesis next Wednesday, so let's take a look at the fourth and fifth. How can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? Answer, certainly not just eating and drinking do these things. Certainly not just eating and drinking do these things. But the words written here. But the words written here. Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, these words, along with bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the sacrament. Are the main thing in the sacrament. Whoever believes these words has exactly what they say, forgiveness of sins. Whoever believes these words has exactly what they say, forgiveness of sins. Very good. All right. So we've talked about what it is. It's the body and blood and then under the bread and wine. We talked about the words of institution. We talked about the benefits that are being given, uh, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. And now it said, how can this happen? Normally eating and drinking... Uh, doesn't produce these benefits, doesn't give you body and blood of Christ. Um, you know, set aside some unleavened bread and wine and, and have a little snack, and that's not what's going on. So how can this happen? Well, it lets us know right here, not just eating and drinking, of course, but the words written here. And so we have the words of Jesus given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. I talked about it Ember Days this, uh, this last week about uh, the use of the words of institution by these words. Compared it to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, uh, our Lord says... Uh, that uh, uh, let there be, and there's light. Let there be light, and there was light. Um, and, and, he, and he goes through and creates things by his word. He also then uh, sends out animals as well as men, saying, go and be fruitful, 
multiply and fill the earth. By those words, God accomplishes what we would call procreation, right? Uh, uh, there are animals produced. There are human beings begotten uh, uh, and, 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 and all. Does he have to say those words all the time, every time? No, he said it once. And it has its effect of, well, multiplying and producing fruit, children, animals, for the rest of the time. Our Lord has, has done that. When our Lord, on that Monday, Thursday, the night that he was betrayed, spoke these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, take Heath as my Bible, drink my it is by those words that he institutes the Lord's Supper. It is those words, the words written there, that make the Lord's Supper what it is. Now, to be clear, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't institute a meal where that happens. I don't, I, I, I tell you, I'm, you know, I can't do it. I can't even as the minister of the Lord, make it happen. I know that the Roman church says, oh, you've been given an indelible character, you've been given a little grace, and from this point on, you can make this happen. I can't. Um, it is only our Lord who has said those words that makes that what it is. It's not my words. So often we talk about a mighty fortress, the devil and his demons and whatever. They like to um, confuse and misuse uh, religion and things. And so they come up with uh, um, magic. They come up with uh, a curse or, or a blessing or more likely, think of Harry Potter you know, you've got to get to the book that has the spells. And so what happens? You have to say the words, the right vocables, and that, by doing that, you make this happen. That is not what's going on. <laughs> that is not, they're mimicking us but they've got it all wrong. That's not what it... It's not that I have to say the right vocables and somehow I say the spell. And so, well, you know, so th then you get into all kinds of, of crazy things. Well, well, what if... Uh, um, what if Sadie takes some bread and wine and she's having her dolls and she does a Lord's Supper and, and she said the word! <gasps> you know, like all of a sudden that spell kind of caused it what it is. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to go and, and quarantine those elements because now they became the body. No, 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 no. The words that Jesus sped, said make it what it is. Now, I repeat those words. I never have a Lord's Supper where I do not repeat those words. 
because it is by means of those words which my Lord told me to use, do this, um, this is what we are to do, he wants us to use those words to consecrate the elements, or sometimes we call bless the elements, consecrate. What do we mean by that? We mean you set aside the elements that are to be used. So when I say this, it's not every unleavened bread and wine in the world. It's not everything that's in this church building. It's not, I put over, I let you know, it's right here. I'm setting this aside. And so I consecrate, I set aside these things in accordance with our Lord to be used for this purpose. I've been sent. I'm following exactly what our Lord says. There are two other things. One, I consecrate. The next thing, I distribute. And finally, you receive. That is the Lord's Supper. What? How can this happen? It's these words, the words that our Lord uh, said, that make it what it is. Whoever believes the words by which our Lord instituted the sacrament, has exactly what they say. Questions? It definitely has, I'm kind of out of time, we may come back to the other. Um, it's the same kind of misunderstanding, and maybe we've talked before about those that are trying to do video communion. <laughs> Well, the words, you know, and I go, yeah, that's not, you know, the words that we say is not like a spell that somehow happens and then we can debate whether it's going to happen over video or audio or, or whatever. No, 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 no. The words set aside and consecrate the elements. Well, guess what? You can't have this if you're even a mile away listening on video. It's not the Lord's Supper that is going on. There is no setting aside of the elements that are being used. They're taking something else out of their fridge or doing something, whatever. There's no me distributing to them, and there's them no receiving. None, none of this is going on. It's a travesty. The final one says, who receives? Uh, simply put, it's the one who has faith, the one who trusts. Um, and so we come unworthy that we are realizing our sin and we come to receive the forgiveness that he is giving out. Questions? We light the candles and we'll begin. stand. Oh Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. 
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ, Lamb of our salvation. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin. It's Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse 14. And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was, when the demon had gone out, that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, He casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others, testing him, saw from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest, and finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, And they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. And it happened, as he spoke these things, that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. But he said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This is God's word. A mighty fortress. A mighty fortress is our God. A trusty shield and weapon. He helps us free from every need that hath us now ordained. And old evil foe now means deadly woe, defile and great might. Are his red arms in fight? On earth is not his equal. 
With my God, bars cannot be done. Sooner I lost it better. But for us, I saw one whom God himself elected. As he who is this, Jesus Christ it is, of Sabaoth, Lord, and there's none other God. He holds the field forever. Though devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us. We tremble not, we fear no hill. They shall not overpower us. This world's been stay still. Scow fierce as he will. He can harm us none. His judge, the deed is done. One little word can bow him. The word they still shall let remain, and not a thing have for He's by our side upon the plain, with his good gifts and spirit, and they our life, good same child and wife, let these all be gone, they yet have nothing won, the kingdom ours So Jesus cast out a demon. This demon was making the man mute so that he could not speak. It says that the demon was cast out and then the man was able to speak. All right. Well, it sounds all right and good. And it says that the multitudes marveled. Um, that is, they were amazed at, at what all happened. Um, is this marveling faith or not? I don't know, but uh, they see what has happened and they go, aha, there's been a miracle. Um, whether they're going to, as we'll find with the following Sunday, uh, whether they see the signs and that's all they care about. But at least at this point, uh, they see the signs and, and uh, they're marveling at Jesus that he is able to, to do this. But there is a minority opinion that is filed, beginning with verse 15. Uh, despite what the crowd says, there are some of them. Hmm, who do you think these are? Uh, friends of Sadducees and Pharisees. <laughs> well, um, these are pretty well, uh, they've got credentials, uh, Probably the rulers, Sadducees, Pharisees, whatever, scribes. Uh, um, they got another answer. 
He casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Um, uh, Beelzebub. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, whenever Moses comes down the mountain, uh, they're already worshiping a golden calf. That was a symbol of, what did the Canaanite religions? Baal. Baal. Yeah, and so this is kind of a, the Beelzebub, Beelzebub uh, kind of thing. It, as it progressed, this is where they refer to. Um, Baal was very common. It was worshipped in all the Canaanite religions. Um, it also, we talk about syncretism, this is what the Israelites were led to. You know, even Aaron, who makes this golden calf, says, well, worship the Lord with this golden calf here, as if that would be the symbol or something. So, we're, well, we can bring this in. We can use their religions and all. Okay, so we got Beelzebub. They decide that Jesus is doing this because he's in league with the, with the ruler of the demons. Hmm. What do you think about that possibility? What would you say? What do you think about that possibility? Is that possible? I'm thinking they were pretty desperate for an argument. Because <laughs> it's like, how is that logical? You're right. right. It would be denying every sign, you know, every bit of prophecy that they should have known about already. Because when did Satan ever go about healing the sick and the blind and raising the dead? Right. Exactly. And so I think Karen also, that being said, I mean, it denies everything. Karen says, well, it sure sounds like you're reaching for anything that you can possibly. Why would they do that? Why would they not deal with what's right in front of their eyes? They're just contrary because they don't have faith. And they hate it because they, Simon's a danger to their power. No. Yes. They've already rejected Christ. They've rejected Christ. They can't. Yeah. And there's a little problem with what's going on right here. You know, before they would always say, well, he didn't do it. The multitudes are all here. We all saw. The people are rejoicing. They're telling everyone. So they can't deny the miracle. They're going to have to do what? Say that it happened, but it happened by nefarious means. They've already got... So, of course, they're reaching. They got nothing else, though, because they, they got the clear thing that's in front of them, but they deny Jesus. Um, they, they don't want to acknowledge this because, again, the prophecies say that the Messiah is going to be able to do these things. Another thing, verse 16, others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven. Didn't he just... Do it again. Do it again. Uh, do another one. Do something different. Yeah, okay. So, yes, we, we, we see that this is... Um, this is not a matter of looking at things and coming to the right conclusion. This is a matter of being a fool. That is, of denying that which is right in front of you. And you have to do that if you have already a vested interest. And their vested interest is, we're not going to let him be the Messiah. Um, and it probably goes back to either for the Sadducees, I don't want our power to be taken away. For the Pharisees, we don't want our righteousness and good works to be taken away. You know, it, it, there's various reasons, but th that's what we have going on. Verse 17, and he knowing their thoughts, 
Jesus very well could use his divine nature to know what they were thinking. I don't think it's required at this particular point. I think you can see quite clearly by their answers uh, what they are thinking concerning this. Um, Jesus answers them. Uh, Jesus often would go to the house of his enemies. Jesus often would engage in them and would talk with them. Jesus often would answer them. Now, once they had rejected it, then he, well, spoke a little harsher and said some other. But he was more than willing to teach them at the time. Do, do they come? Not here. Does it happen later? I don't know. Sometimes people do. Uh, the words roll around. Uh, you simply have to say them. And may, at first, they may balk at it. Uh, you know, we do have uh, those who have come, you know, were Pharisees and came to believe, and it says the priests that did. But So Jesus answers them, and I think we need to not be afraid to give an answer to those when we realize that it is not going to be received at all. That's another matter. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. A house divided against itself falls. If Satan is divided in himself, how will his kingdom stand? Again, it goes against every principle. The, uh, the devil does not do these things. Um, uh, this is not a one-time thing. Jesus is saying, here is what I have done my entire life. This is what I'm about. Um, obviously, I am undoing the work of the devil's kingdom. Uh, and so, no, uh, Satan is not going to have someone. Uh, Jesus goes to the, uh, the proper name, Satan, and says, uh, uh, no, this, this would be a divided kingdom. It would not stand if you're building and tearing down and uh, both the same. This, this is not what it is. He says, but that's what you're saying of me. And so, first of all, Jesus simply says, logically, that's not going to work. Um, verse 19, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Evidently, there were others that were exercising, that were casting out demons, uh, whether they were doing it, again, uh, uh, relying upon Jesus himself, or, or whether this is still Old Testament beliefs that are trusting in God, I, I don't know. Or whether they did it rightfully or just claimed to do it, I, that I don't know. Uh, but the point is being this, if you approve of what your and, and is this their biological sons? Probably not. Um, but if you approve of that and you say that that is right and good, how can you say this of me? Um, you're going to have to. And so by this argument, he shows the hypocrisy of those who will look at one and say that's right and good, who will look at the other and say, no, you're doing it by Satan's power. Um, yeah, he, he wants to know about exorcism. Um, so, once again, I'm going to say what, what movies and whatever, it would seem turns this into a kind of spell 
the vocables, the words that you have to have the right prayers, that you have to, you know, be a priest who has been ordained and has chrism put upon her, you know, and, and, and there are all these kind of things that go with this. Um, would Do Lutherans deny, say, no, exorcism should not be done? No, we, we do not. We don't have a right like you would have for baptism, Lord's Supper, there's not, you can't turn to, well, let's see, where's the right of exercise, you know, kind of thing. Um, we do believe that, that there is demon possession. We do believe that uh, there, there can be a casting out. How is it done? Uh, it is done by the word of God in prayer. No different than that. One thing, though, that we have to be quite clear is this that for a baptized believer, for someone who believes in Jesus, you cannot be possessed. That is an impossibility. So uh, often those who begin to think about things, they, they come and go, oh, pastor, I think I'm possessed. I think I've got, you know, and I go, why, wait a minute. You believe in Jesus? Yeah. Well, yes. I go, okay, well, that's, you know, impossible. Um, Mark? I've seen that. Didn't I see the TLH as a, there's a line there for, for baptism where there's a, a line of exorcism. You know, yes. I can't remember how it says, but basically it's, basically it's a simple line saying, you know, devil depart or something. Yes. Um, and so prior to exorcism, I think I put it on one of the back uh, things, in which it talks about Luther's right for baptism, as we would have some other things that illustrate, like giving a white garment or a candle. Um, it, it would say... Um, uh, depart and make way, you know, devil depart and make way for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, which is a whole lot less exciting than, you know, having the, the priest throwing all you yeah. Right, right, the incense and, and the like. And yet, I'm sure it's just as effective. <laughs> the point being, though, is yeah. this. The point is that even those words which were included mm-hmm. in the baptismal rite were not designed to be something different from baptism. It was designed to instruct what baptism does. When I tell you those words, I'm telling you what baptism does. When I give you a white garment, I'm not covering up your sin. I'm telling you about how your sin's going to be covered up in baptism. When I give you a light and say, live by the light of Christ, that's being given to you in your baptism. So what happened, though, is that got misunderstood, misused, and most Lutherans kind of go, yeah, it doesn't. It's just, I mean, just like you can get rid of the can or whatever and you've got a valid baptism. If it's going to be understood into, oh, well, I had a baptism without an exorcism and you had one with an and then you see what happens, it yeah, becomes... Because as we're seeing, if it can be messed up, somebody will find a way. You've got it. You've got it. Um, and so that's always the problem with right. I mean... They're good in which they designed to teach, but you have to be careful what they what they teach. So, um, so he shows their hypocrisy and he says, "All right, they're going to be your judges." But Jesus gets right to the point. Verse twenty. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus says, "No." Just as the creation lets us know that there is a creator. And anyone who denies that is a fool. Jesus coming and driving out the demon and being able to affect this 
is to teach us that what? The kingdom of God has come. Who does that? Only God himself. You have to come to that conclusion. When Pharaoh was, uh, Moses was coming and he was doing these miracles, you know, he threw down his staff and Pharaoh said, yeah, we can do that. And he has his magicians do that. And he has them do this, you know. And, and then when he gets to the third uh, uh, miracle and, and, and he does this, the magicians turn to Pharaoh and say, you know, he says, do it. And he goes, um, this is the finger of God. And, and the magicians tell him, you, you know, you're dealing with something out of your control here. Pharaoh doesn't listen, but at least the magicians make the right. When Jesus says, I cast out demons with the finger of God, he is letting them know that, that this is the real article. You're, you're missing it. And when I cast out demons, he says, what does that mean? The kingdom of God has come. What does that mean? The kingdom of God has come upon you. He's right there. He's right there. How do we normally describe the kingdom of God as the church? church. Well, by Jesus coming and standing in front of them, he says, all right, I'm inaugurating, bringing in the new kingdom. I'm here doing the work. You're believing in me. And we're making the church, the Holy Christian Church, the kingdom of God. It's come to you. What does that say of those who say to him, you're doing it by Beelzebub? They're not part of the kingdom. They're not receiving the Messiah who is in front of him. Jesus gives an example. You've got a strong man. He's guarding his house. Everything's safe. The only thing that can overcome that is a stronger man. Jesus just lets them know. Fine, you know the strong man? You know Satan? He says, I'm stronger. I'm the stronger man. I'm the one to come. I'm going to come. I'm going to grab his arm. I'm going to take it away. I'm going to take back the stuff that he took. He took the man's voice. I'll give it back. He takes away your life. I'll give your life back. Uh, Jesus comes to give us back what the devil. What does the devil have? He's got his accusations. He lies, Luther says. He has his um, uh, he, he has he has sins. He says, "I'll take them away." There's a judgment. The man has to die. I'll give you a promise. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. That's what Jesus brings, and he comes. Jesus makes it clear, whoever is not with me is against me. Well, we, we are in the church, and we have... No, if you're not with Jesus, you're not, with, you're not in the kingdom, you're not with God, you're not... You can't be neutral. You can't stand on the outside and say, well... I don't know about that Jesus. I'm kind of neutral on that Jesus thing. But I'm really religious and I'm whatever. Not going to work. You're either with Jesus or you're not. If you're not with him, you're part of those that are scattering. Why is that so? Jesus gives the example of an unclean spirit. Um, And he says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, what happens? Um, he goes to drive, he seeks rest when he finds none. He says, well, I'll go back. 
I'll check out that house where I was. Um, he finds it all swept in order, but he'll go on back in. It'll be worse than then. You can't be an empty house. There either has to be Jesus in your house, or there will be the unclean spirit in your house. There's no other option. I know the devil wants to convince us that he doesn't exist, that that's not an issue, that you can simply be outside. And no, you're either going to have one or the other. That's uh, what Jesus lets us know. When we get to the end of this, uh, we have a woman in the crowd. He, she sees this great thing that he has done and this great teaching, and she says to him, you have the best mother ever. What kind of mother does he have? He has a wonderful, sinful mother. She is sinful. But the most blessed mother ever. It's true. She's, she, you know, raised Jesus. I mean, the woman's right, but she's missing the point. But she's missing the point. Right, exactly. Um, Jesus doesn't argue about that. He doesn't put his mother down or anything of that point. But it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Um, what really matters more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That's what Jesus is speaking about. The whole reason that he came and does this miracle is so that they will believe in the word of God and hear his teaching and keep it. They're missing the point. Um, you can argue about all the signs so that you won't hear the word, but it's the word that you need to hear. That's where the blessed, that's where the exorcism comes. It comes by the word, exposing our sins and driving out and, and bringing in. So, you know, absolutely. Uh, blessed are those who hear the word and God and keep it. Uh, Jesus puts the point right where it needs to be. Um, uh, asked about our, our banner, you know, it, it has the woman. She's reading the word of God. The word of God teaches us about Jesus Christ. It's coming out of it. That's what the whole word is about. It's to drive us to him. And where that is, there's kind of the vague outline that you see of the kingdom which has come to her through Jesus, through that word of God. Um, all of the banners have a little different cross up in the right-hand corner uh, that goes with it as well. Um, we tried, I'll, I'll just say, my, uh, uh, what, I what I wanted at first was the kind of Michelangelo with the finger of God reaching down and it, it looked like a comic strip, and, and there is no way that it would work. Um, I'm glad we didn't do it. This one uh, uh, teaches the, uh, the gospel reading for this coming Sunday much better. Questions? Comments? I think she's in blue because she's the church. Yeah, the, um, normally the, you always put the uh, Mary in blue, and she is always a type of the church, or the woman. It's always a woman, because the woman, yeah, the bride of Christ, uh, that is there. So, absolutely. Then? I pray for myself and my unknown, and my Okay. We will do that. All right. Get out your responsive prayer on your small blue sheet for tonight. Let us pray.
Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, have mercy in you shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. That men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. He turns rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground. A fruitful land into barrenness, for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. He turns a wilderness into pools of water, and dry land into water springs. There he makes the hungry dwell, that they may establish the city for a dwelling place. And sow fields and plant vineyards, that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them, and they multiply greatly, and he does not let their cattle decrease. Whoever is wise will observe these 
and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. We implore you, Almighty God, to look upon the hearty desires of your humble servants and stretch forth the right hand of your mercy to be our defense against all our enemies. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We ask, dear Lord, that by your word that you would create faith. Uh, we pray for uh, Vince family, especially uh, those who have not yet come to faith. And we ask, dear Lord, that you might drive out that which is keeping them from trusting in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The final petition. O God, who has sounded into our ears thy divine and salutary oracles, Illuminate the souls of us sinners to the comprehension of that which has been read, so that we may not only be seen to be hearers of spiritual things, but doers of good works, following after faith without guile, blameless life, conversation without charge of guilt, in Christ Jesus our Lord, with whom thou art blessed, with thy most holy and good and quickening spirit, now and ever, and to ages of ages. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen.